0: this week on Viewpoints. I think in general, parties feel, okay, if you've lost,
1: you need to move on and we need to bring fresh blood in to run against the challenger on the other party. The 2024 presidential election is just around the corner. Then...
2: There's fewer youth who actually engage with someone who's served in the military, and so they might not see it as an avenue of service.
3: Understanding why our military is shrinking. I'm Marty Peterson.
1: And I'm Gary Price. These stories in-depth this week on your public affairs magazine, Viewpoints.
4: Now streaming on Paramount+. A new movie for producers LeBron James and Marseille Martin. Let's it up a notch. Callie's the gamer. You play Madden. Girls play video games too. Her dad's an NFL player. The Falcon. Holman Bumbles there. Now, she's about to take control in real life. You can control me on the field? Marseille Martin, Omari Hardwick, and Kelly Rowland star in Fantasy Football. What is the
3: secret? Playing a lot of Madden.
4: Original movie directed by Anton Cropper. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.
5: Learn about an option at treatcovid19.com. This message is sponsored
1: by Pfizer. Earlier this month, Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of the United States, announced he's running for president in 2024. This is historic news as there's only been four other presidents in history who have chosen to run a third time after losing re-election following their first term in office. Out of this small group, only one prevailed, Grover Cleveland. He was the 22nd and 24th President of the United States, serving from 1885 to 1889 and then 1893 to 1897.
0: And had a very successful first term, but then lost to uh, Benjamin Harrison because the economy had turned down. And he set that term through and then ran again in 1892 and ran that successfully and had a second term as president. That's the only time that's ever happened.
1: That's Ronald Gruner, an expert on presidential history and the author of We the Presidents, How American Presidents Shaped the Last Century. Gruner said that many historians note that Cleveland transformed into a different leader after winning his second term.
0: Many people felt that he had been, during his first term, he had been largely a hands-off president and really not particularly political at all. But in his second term, which was eight years later, he was much more aggressive as a president, much more aggressive politically. And I think that affected his reputation a little bit as he ended that second presidency. He wasn't quite the same man and quite as beneficent as the first term.
1: Today, part of Cleveland's presidential history is that he's the only commander-in-chief to have two non-consecutive terms in office. There are three other presidents who ran again after losing re-election for their second term. These men are Martin Van Buren, Millard Fillmore, and Teddy Roosevelt. All had one thing in common.
0: They all ran as third party tickets. They could not be nominated by their existing party, either Democrat or Republican, so they formed a third party or joined a small third party, and they were not successful in doing that.
1: Much of the reason why Cleveland was able to succeed and these other three former presidents did not was that he won the support of the Democratic Party. Gruner says that having this backing, whether it be Democratic or Republican, is crucial to the success of a campaign.
0: I think in general, parties feel, okay, if you've lost, you need to move on and we need to bring fresh blood in to run against a challenger on the other party. So that's very difficult to try to run with the existing party, I don't think parties like that.
1: With former President Donald Trump running again, many experts are wondering if the Republican Party will ultimately get behind his bid. If not, An independent run by Trump's campaign will likely mean much more of an uphill climb. We've had third parties
0: over the years that represented socialists, for example, represented climate change, represented the Green Party interests. We've had parties that represented minimizing immigration in the 19th century. So these parties pop up typically for 10 or 15 years advocating a specific cause and then they die out because they can't establish a large enough constituency or set of voters to win an election. And they typically steal votes from existing parties, and so they oftentimes act as spoilers.
1: One example of this is Teddy Roosevelt's run for presidency in 1912. Roosevelt served as the 26th president from 1901 to 1909. In the early 20th century, there was no law stopping a president from serving more than two terms in office. However, it was tradition to step down after eight years to make way for a new leader. Roosevelt honored this in 1909, but by 1912, decided to put his hat back in the race. But this time, he failed to get the nomination of the Republican Party. So he started the Bull Moose Party which was a party focused around progressive values that
0: were somewhat at odds with the Republican Party. Although he got 27 percent of the vote, that's Teddy Roosevelt, the largest ever accomplished by a third party. He still lost to Woodrow Wilson, who was
1: a Democrat. So apart from having your party's backing, what does it take to become the commander in chief in today's crowded political landscape? Gruner argues that there are several different dynamics at play, but a candidate's ability to communicate effectively and create a positive public image is key. Communication in the 19th
0: century, for example, when Grover Cleveland ran, when he ran the first time, he only gave two campaign speeches. Just think about that, two campaign speeches. He said, let the record speak for me and others speak for him. But nowadays, to run for a political office, in many cases, you have to be... uh, very, very good with the uh, the media. Be able to communicate well, charm the uh, the constituency, and communications and how you present yourself is extremely important. So people look at was that a good speech or a bad speech. May not look quite so much as the ideas in the speech, but the speech itself. So that's a, one of the largest factors I think that affects how we have elections today versus how we had elections during Grover Cleveland's time.
1: Today, the advent of social media, TV debates, and countless campaign stops across the country have made presidential campaigns a much different affair than 100 years back.
0: Campaigning has always been trying to win the hearts, if not the minds, of the populace. And I think in the past, we may have voted more logically based on results and policies because we didn't know people face-to-face, and we didn't have that kind of media. And even with radio, it wasn't quite the same. But now we know people so well, we see their facial expressions when they give a speech. That has become so important. And so often what you hear even in the last few months about President Biden and former President Trump is comments about how they speak or mistakes they make or things of that nature. So that's really
1: paramount. With 2023 just around the corner, election season will be here before we know it. Ultimately, the decision comes down to the American people. And that's why it's so important to cast your vote. To find out more about this topic and our guest, Ronald Gruner, visit ViewpointsRadio.org. You can also find Gruner's book, We the Presidents, in select bookstores and online at Amazon.com. This segment was written and produced by Amira Zaveri. I'm Gary Price.
3: Up, why has military recruitment dropped to historic lows when Viewpoints returns? How Many of you have pets. Now think about how lucky you are to have such a sweet little pet in your life. But unfortunately, there are countless pets out there that don't have a home to call their own. However, Bob's from Skechers is trying to change that. With every purchase of adorable Bob's footwear apparel or pet accessories, Skechers makes a donation to Petco Love. And with your help, we've already saved the lives of over 1 million pets and donated over $7 million. Find Bob's at a
6: Skechers store, Skechers.com, select Petco locations, or wherever stylish footwear is sold. Join Macy's and Big Brothers Big Sisters of America to empower kids across the country to reach their full potential. Throughout the holiday season, donate online or round up your Macy's store purchase up to 99 cents and donate the extra change. You'll help make meaningful matches between adult volunteers and children, creating positive relationships that have a lasting impact. Give back today and find out how we're empowering brighter futures at macys.com purpose. COVID-19 moves fast. And now you can too by asking your healthcare provider if an oral treatment is right for you. Learn about a treatment option at TreatCV19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer.
4: Now, streaming on Paramount Plus. A new movie for producers LeBron James and Marseille Martin. Let's it up a notch. Callie's the gamer. You play Madden. Girls play video games too. Her dad's an NFL player. The Falcon. Coleman yeah. bumbles there. Now she's about to take control in real life. You can control me on the field? Marseille Martin, Omari Hardwick and Kelly Rowland star in fantasy football. What is the secret? Playing a lot of Madden. Original movie directed by Anton Cropper. Now streaming on Paramount+.
3: the military transitioned to all volunteer forces in 1973, there have been three years when they fell short of recruitment goals. As 2022 comes to a close, it looks like that number will soon increase to four. In fact, military officials are saying that 2022 has been the most challenging recruiting year since 1973. For people working in this sector, this news comes as no surprise. Katherine Kuzminski is a senior fellow and director of the Military Veterans of Society program at the Center for a New American Security. She points out that the U.S. Army specifically has been struggling with recruiting since 2017.
2: In part, it's because the Army is the largest recruiting force across the armed services. We also see some challenges across all of the services, usually towards the end of each fiscal year. But in the recent past, the other services have been able to meet their recruiting
3: targets. Until now, the Navy and Air Force are also struggling to meet recruiting goals this year. The Marine Corps, which is the smallest service branch in the military, usually has no problems with recruiting. But this year, it's taking a bit longer than usual. But doing worst of all is the U.S. Army. This sector has fallen short of this year's recruiting goal by 25 percent, or 15,000 soldiers. So what's leading to these lower-than-average numbers? Kuzminski says it's partially due to the pandemic.
2: The most lucrative recruiting outlets tend to be those in-person experiences. So high school campus visits, college campus visits, and then also the availability of recruiters at storefront models, right? So you see a lot of recruiting stations around the country, in strip malls or in the middle of population centers, which make it easier for individuals to come in who might be interested in military service. So those avenues were for a long time really closed for recruiting with respect to the pandemic. And then the other thing that we've seen is that because high school students, which are the target population, were experiencing remote school, they weren't able to have those experiences like their high school prong or high school graduation, experiencing their senior years. We saw a lot of them just delaying life decisions.
3: She adds that another life decision being delayed is college. The promise of free tuition has historically been a big reason for why many enlist after high school. If they aren't sure if they want to pursue this path, it may not make sense to enlist. On top of this, many young people today are hesitant to join because of the increased awareness around the risk of injury, death, or developing psychological problems like PTSD. Kuzminski says that many Americans today aren't as exposed to military life or hear firsthand stories from veterans themselves. Much of what the public knows about service comes from the media.
2: And part of that is that we see military installations tend to be further from big population centers. So as we see successive generations of people who have volunteered to serve in the military, as opposed to being drafted to serve in the military, there's fewer youth who actually engage with someone who's served in the military. And so they might not see it as an avenue of service.
3: Young people who are more progressive may also feel like they don't fit into conservative military culture. On top of this, kids now reaching the age of eligibility grew up during the years-long wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, which some people felt were unjustified pursuits.
2: There was also a view of a clear enemy for a long time. So during the Cold War, you know, Russia was always the threat, certainly the way that Iraq and Afghanistan were laid out. And In the last couple of years, with the drawdown of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, we don't really see a unifying factor for Americans about who the threat or the enemy
3: truly is. Interestingly, Kuzminski adds that the release of Top Gun Maverick produced a big bump in military signups this year. She says that the movie was successful in pushing patriotic themes and the strength of the U.S. military. Additionally, the film positively portrays veterans and how they're treated by society. This differs from what the public commonly hears from the media.
2: George Washington essentially said, how you treat your veterans will directly impact the quality of your recruits in the future. And so part of the life cycle of service is ensuring that we're caring for veterans. And that feeds directly back into people's perceptions of what military service may look like, thinking about the perception of rates of PTSD or veteran homelessness or the veteran suicide rate do leave an impression on those influencers in the lives of potential recruits and may also sway the individual recruits themselves.
3: In the face of these challenges, Kuzminski says that the military is working hard to improve the support veterans receive.
2: There's certainly been initiatives to address issues of mental health among the military. There's also, in the last couple of years, been some tough press for the military services about military, family, financial instability, or food insecurity. And so the Department of Defense, Congress, and then the individual military services have really taken to heart ways to help particularly junior enlisted service members with families meet the demands of inflation and rising housing costs that were really affecting them over the last couple of years to mitigate those negative effects and enable those individuals to focus on military readiness, which is the goal.
3: While there are plenty of reasons why military recruitment is on a decline, the consequences are far wider than many realize. With fewer new recruits, the military may struggle to find its next batch of leaders in the next 20, 30, or even 40 years.
2: Military service is a closed profession, so the individuals who either enlist on the enlisted side or who commission on the officer side today are the future leaders that we see 40 years from now. So if we look for, you know, the future chief of staff of the Army is being for the year 2063 is being recruited today. And so if you miss your recruiting targets in any of the services today, there's long-term effects and it's difficult. It's not like other companies in America where you could go recruit excellent new leader or a new CEO from another company. Military is a closed system. And so it's more complicated to build that experience and build
3: that pipeline over time. And with fewer people, the U.S. military might struggle to retain its strength. For years, politicians have boasted that the U.S. military is the strongest in the world. But with dwindling recruitment numbers, there's a chance for a powerhouse like China to gain this title.
2: A couple of ways that the United States has demonstrated its military might, you know, part of it has been through our technological advancement and our operational planning, and that remains. But the reality is that it comes down to the decision and the contributions of individual human beings. And so any complication in having that human perspective and that manpower really hinders overall military operations, no matter how technologically savvy or advanced we might be.
3: With all this being said, it's clear that the U.S. needs to find a way to drive greater recruitment. Part of this means changing the organization's public perception and fostering greater inclusion. Another aspect is helping those who want to enlist but don't yet meet the criteria.
2: The Army in particular is trying to address that Venn diagram of individuals who are interested or who have a propensity to serve but who might not make the standards, whether it's their education levels or their physical fitness. So, that what the Army's doing is they're bringing them to Fort Jackson and assisting them for about six weeks to increase their ASFAB scores on the academic side or helping them meet those height, weight standards and meet those PT requirements. And so it's really capitalizing on, there are people who are interested who didn't previously meet the standard, but now we can help them in the process of meeting the standard.
3: Another barrier the Army is addressing is lack of interest. Many young people today view joining the military as signing up for war. And while many soldiers see combat, there are also many who don't. Additionally, joining the military can come with benefits like free housing, food, and health care. Overall, Kuzminski says the armed forces have to do a better job of portraying service as a viable, lifelong, and successful career. We're trying to recruit
2: eligible 17 to 21 to 24 28 year olds who are willing to serve. But I think another piece is really who influence those American youth. So thinking about military service as a viable option for parents when they're thinking about options for their kids, for school counselors, principals, teachers, coaches, building a true picture of what service, looks like and how military service can fit into a really fulfilling
3: career path. To find out more about this topic and our featured guest, Catherine Kuzminski, visit viewpointsradio.org. For more behind the scenes, check out Viewpoints Radio on Twitter and Facebook. This segment was written and produced by associate producer Grace Galanti. Our executive producer is Amira Zaveri. Studio production by Jason Dickey. I'm Marty Peterson.
1: Viewpoints returns in just a moment.
6: Join Macy's and Big Brothers Big Sisters of America to empower kids across the country to reach their full potential. Throughout the holiday season, donate online or round up your Macy's store purchase up to 99 cents and donate the extra change. You'll help make meaningful matches between adult volunteers and children, creating positive relationships that have a lasting impact. Give back today, and find out how we're empowering brighter futures at Macy's.com/purpose.
5: Nacho fries are back at Taco Bell. You know, the fries covered in bold Mexican spices. You dip in a warm nacho cheese sauce. You can also dunk them in nacho cheese sauce, or pour the sauce onto a pile of them and create like a nacho fries nachos. The thing is that you eat them with nacho cheese sauce. That's what makes them nacho fries. Otherwise, you're just eating fries and sipping on nacho cheese sauce, and that's the wrong way. Sorry, just really passionate about nacho fries.
4: Nacho fries are back. Only at
7: Taco Bell. At participating U.S. Taco Bell locations for a limited time only while supplies last. Contact local store for hours and participation, which vary.
8: This is Viewpoints Explained. I'm Ebony McMorris. Looking to give back this holiday season despite rising prices? Try reaching out to a local food pantry or homeless shelter to see if you can volunteer your time. You can also help children in need by dropping off new toys or books at a Toys for Tots donation box. Find the closest drop-off bin in your community by visiting toysfortots.org. The Salvation Army is also hoping donations bounce back to pre-pandemic levels. The nationwide nonprofit lost about $1 million during each year of the pandemic. One big initiative it's banking on this season is its well-known Red Kettle campaign. Over the next several weeks, look for these kettles outside of grocery stores, shopping centers, and other public areas. And don't worry if you don't have cash or change on you. Nowadays, you can also donate using Apple Pay, Google Pay, Venmo, or PayPal instead. Each kettle is adorned with an NFC sticker, Simply scan it with your mobile phone, put in the donation amount, and the money is securely sent to the closest Salvation Army Center from that location. That's Viewpoint Explained explain for this week. More in a moment.
7: Welcome to Culture Crash, where we examine what's new and old in entertainment. As a movie fan, there really is nothing I love more than a new, totally original, high-concept movie. A movie like Get Out or Inception can totally set my world on fire, and oftentimes, when a film like that does come out, I can't help myself. I'll go see it multiple times in theaters. So I was excited to see Don't Worry, Darling, a 1950s set conspiracy thriller from director Olivia Wilde, starring Florence Pugh and Harry Styles. The movie was in production for a long time, thanks to the pandemic, and then my excitement level did falter when the movie's release was swallowed by a hefty dose of celebrity drama. If you don't know what I'm talking about, consider yourself lucky. But ultimately, behind-the-scenes celebrity drama doesn't really matter, so when Don't Worry Darling came out, I still had to go see it. But then the movie totally let me down. Visually, Don't Worry Darling has a lot to offer. The 1950s set design, the cinematography, and the costumes really are something special. Lead Florence Pugh is great, even if Harry Styles seems a little out of his depth, but the real trouble with Don't Worry Darling is that it just isn't that compelling. It seems to think the mystery at its center will keep audiences on the edge of their seats, but it all feels a little too familiar to be that compelling. By the time the movie's twist comes, setting up what should be an exciting final act, I'd already sort of checked out because the film took so long to get there. Not every movie can be a winner, and the unfortunate reality is that Don't Worry Darling, despite its exciting cast and intriguing premise, falls flat. The movie is now streaming on HBO Max, so it's reaching a wider audience, but if you do feel compelled to fire it up, you think you may want to lower your expectations. I'm Evan Rook.
5: I wanted to know why some people who get COVID-19 get it so bad. I found out it may be because they have a high risk factor, such as heart disease, diabetes, being overweight, smoking, and asthma. Even if symptoms feel mild, okay. These factors can increase your risk of COVID-19 turning severe. So if you're at high risk and test positive, there are things you can do, like asking your healthcare provider if an authorized oral treatment is right for you. Learn about an option at treatcovid19.com. This message is sponsored by Pfizer.
4: Now streaming on Paramount+. A new movie for producers LeBron James and Marseille Martin. Stick it up a notch. Callie's the gamer. You play Madden. Girls play video games too. Her dad's an NFL player. The Falcon. Holman, bumbles Now, she's about to take control in real life. You can control me on the field? Marseille Martin, Omari Hardwick, and Kelly Rowland star in fantasy football. What is the secret?
3: Playing a lot of Madden.
4: Original movie directed by Anton Cropper. Now streaming on Paramount+.